This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of claw toe from the foot and ankle section on orthobullets.com. Let's start this episode with a quick summary. Claw toe is a lesser toe deformity characterized by MTP hyperextension and resulting PIP and DIP flexion. Diagnosis is made clinically with the presence of MTP hyperextension, PIP flexion, and DIP flexion of a lesser toe. Treatment is a trial of non-operative management with shoe modification and taping. Surgical management is indicated for progressive deformity, fixed contractures, and dorsal toe ulcerations. Now, let's get into the episode. With respect to epidemiology, as far as anatomic location, claw toe typically involves multiple toes and is often bilateral. Moving on to etiology, the pathophysiology of claw toe involves MTP hyperextension, which is the primary pathology. Keep in mind that chronic MTP hyperextension leads to unopposed flexion of the DIP and PIP by the flexor digitorum longus, or FDL. Remember that claw toe is analogous to the intrinsic minus deformity in the hand. Other notable concepts about the pathophysiology of claw toe include that the MTP plantar plate becomes insufficient over time, the base of the proximal phalanx translates dorsally, and finally the interossei and lumbricals move dorsally as well. This shifts the flexion moment arm to the wrong side of the center of rotation. In terms of the cause of claw toe, synovitis is the most common cause. However, it can also be caused by trauma, as well as delayed or missed compartment syndrome involving the deep posterior compartment of the leg or the foot. Associated conditions with claw toe include a cavus deformity, neuromuscular disease affecting the intrinsic and extrinsic muscle balance. Keep in mind that clawing of all four lesser toes implicates a neurologic abnormality. Finally, another associated condition with claw toe is inflammatory arthropathies, which lead to soft tissue structure attenuation and MTP joint instability. Moving on to classification, let's talk about the differences between claw toe, hammer toe, and mallet toe with respect to what's happening at the DIP joint, PIP joint, and the MTP joint. So starting with claw toe, both the DIP and PIP joints will be flexed, while the MTP will be in hyperextension. In the setting of hammer toe, the DIP will be in extension, the PIP will be in flexion, and the MTP joint will be in slight extension. Finally, in the setting of mallet toe, the DIP will be flexed, while the PIP and MTP joint will be normal. Moving on to presentation of claw toe, symptoms can include pain at the level of the unstable MTP joint and metatarsalgia. On physical exam, in terms of inspection and palpation, a claw-type deformity of the toe is present. There will also be a depressed metatarsal head with callus formation and tenderness, and flexed IP joints with callosities and tenderness. Moving on to treatment of claw toe, this can be non-operative or operative. Non-operative management includes taping and shoe modification, which is indicated as the first line of treatment. In terms of techniques, be sure to provide adequate plantar padding using metatarsal and or crest pads or orthotics to offload the plantarly subluxated metatarsal heads. In addition, be sure to wear a shoe with a high toe box, and use a sling to hold the proximal phalanx parallel to the ground. Operative options include an EDB tenotomy, EDL lengthening, and an FDL flexor to extensor transfer, otherwise known as a girdle stone procedure. Another option is a girdle stone procedure plus an MTP capsulectomy, as well as a proximal phalanx head and neck resection. Another option is a girdle stone procedure and a distal MT shortening osteotomy, otherwise known as a wild lesser metatarsal osteotomy. Finally, another option is an isolated FDL tenotomy. So starting with an EDB tenotomy, EDL lengthening, FDL flexor to extensor transfer, or a girdle stone procedure, this is indicated for painful, flexible deformities without contractures, and it's also indicated for ulcerations caused by shoe wear. 
Moving on to the girdle stone procedure plus an MTP capsulectomy and proximal phalanx head and neck resection, this is indicated for fixed contractures. A girdle stone procedure and a distal metatarsal shortening osteotomy, otherwise known as a while lesser metatarsal osteotomy, is indicated for a claw toe deformity of all four lesser toes. The technique will involve an oblique shortening osteotomy, which translates the metatarsal head proximal and plantar. Finally, an isolated FDL tenotomy is indicated for a flexible deformity in a diabetic patient with tip-of-toe ulceration without evidence of infection. Finally, let's end this review session talking about some complications. The ones to know include floating toe and recurrence. A floating toe deformity is the most common complication of a while osteotomy. It's caused by intrinsics migrating dorsal to the joint and acting as MTP extensors. Finally, the complication of recurrence can be caused by persistent plantar plate dysfunction. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic might be tested. First question. A 62-year-old female presents with pain on the plantar surface of her foot. A clinical photograph reveals callosities under the metatarsal heads. The patient is scheduled for a while osteotomy. What is the pathophysiologic mechanism of the most common complication caused by this osteotomy method? And the choices are 1. Articular damage. 2. Disruption of the dorsal capsular artery. 3. Lengthening of the metatarsal. 4. Conversion of the interossei from plantar flexors to dorsal flexors. And 5. Iatrogenic ligament instability. The correct answer to this question is for conversion of the interossei from plantar flexors to dorsal flexors. So the most common complication of a while osteotomy is a floating toe or an MTP dorsiflexion contracture, which results from altered mechanics of the interossei, leading to conversion of the interossei from plantar flexors to dorsal flexors. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, articular damage, and answer 2, disruption of the dorsal capsular artery are both incorrect, as despite the fact that this is a distal osteotomy and commences through the articular surface of the metatarsal head, MTP arthritis and avascular necrosis is rare. This is because there is a constant plantar artery supplying the metatarsal head and the capsule of the MTP joint. Answer 3, lengthening of the metatarsal is incorrect, as the average degree of shortening following a while osteotomy is 4 mm and transfer metatarsalgia has not been shown to be the most common complication. Finally, answer 5, iatrogenic ligament instability is incorrect, as toe instability is not the most common complication following a while osteotomy. To quickly review, following a while osteotomy, the interossei muscles move dorsally with respect to the axis of the MTP joint due to depression of the plantar fragment and due to the fact that the center of rotation is altered after the osteotomy. The osteotomy provides controlled shortening of the metatarsal using rigid internal fixation. In metatarsalgia, the metatarsal head is moved proximally to the callus, which achieves axial decompression. It is also used to resolve the hammer toe deformity or MTP subluxations, which may cause metatarsalgia. Davies et al. reviewed 50 while osteotomies in 33 patients. In this article, they described the indications, the technique, and the results of the osteotomy. Their short-term results show an overall low complication rate and good success for a variety of forefoot pathologies. The average amount of shortening following a while osteotomy is 4 millimeters. They did not evaluate or discuss the floating toe complication in their article. Turnka et al. performed a cadaveric study to evaluate dorsiflexion following while osteotomy. They found that plantar depression of the MTP joint following the osteotomy altered the dynamic forces of the interossei, converting them from plantar flexors to dorsal flexors. Moving on to the next question. 
a 56-year-old diabetic female presents with a painful right claw toe deformity. Physical exam reveals MTP dorsiflexion and flexion at the DIP and PIP joints. The PIP and MTP joints are flexible, and she has failed conservative treatment. Which of the following is the best surgical treatment option for this patient? And the choices are 1. Girdle stone tailor flexor to extensor tendon transfer. 2. PIP arthrodesis. 3. Complete MTP capsulotomy and resection arthroplasty of the proximal phalanx with tendon release slash lengthening. 4. Complete MTP capsulotomy and resection arthroplasty of the proximal phalanx with a while osteotomy. And 5. Isolated while osteotomy of the affected metatarsal. The correct answer to this question is 1. Girdle stone tailor flexor to extensor tendon transfer. So claw toe deformity occurs most commonly in patients with diabetes, alcoholism, or an underlying neuromuscular condition. The classic presentation is a dorsiflexed MTP joint and hyperflexion at the PIP and DIP joints. Surgical treatment is based on whether or not the PIP joint is flexible or fixed. The girdlestone tailor procedure involves transferring the FDL to the extensor surface of the affected toe, allowing the long toe flexors to behave like intrinsic muscles, producing active plantar flexion at the MP joints and extension at the IP joints. This is only effective in the presence of a flexible deformity. PIP arthrodesis, MTP capsulotomy, and PIP joint resection arthroplasty are only indicated in varying degrees of a fixed claw toe deformity. A while osteotomy can be added in these fixed cases for added correction or if multiple toes are involved. And moving on to the final question. A 54-year-old female has struggled with second metatarsalgia that is not relieved with orthotics. She undergoes a while metatarsal shortening osteotomy that results in mild plantar translation of the metatarsal head relative to the shaft in addition to shortening of the metatarsal. Following surgery, she complains that her second toe, quote, floats above the level of the remaining lesser toes. Which of the following is the most likely cause? And the choices are 1. Lack of appropriate postoperative immobilization. 2. Technique of surgical osteotomy. 3. Postoperative cerebrovascular event causing neuromuscular imbalance. 4. Inadvertent tethering of the extensor tendon during surgical procedure. And 5. Surgical site infection. The correct answer to this question is 2. Technique of surgical osteotomy. So this patient underwent a wild metatarsal shortening osteotomy that results in a mild plantar translation of the metatarsal head relative to the shaft in addition to shortening of the metatarsal. This plantar translation leads to a dorsiflexion deformity of the MTP joint. To avoid this complication, the osteotomy should be made parallel to the plantar surface of the foot or a wafer of bone should be resected to ensure that the joint is not depressed as the metatarsal is shortened. As we mentioned in a previous question, Turnka et al. performed a cadaveric study to evaluate dorsiflexion following while osteotomy, and they found that plantar depression of the MTP joint following the osteotomy altered the dynamic forces of the interossei, converting them from plantar flexors to dorsiflexors. In another article, Turnka et al. reviewed 30 patients with metatarsalgia who were treated with either metatarsal head osteotomy, otherwise known as a while osteotomy, or a metatarsal shaft osteotomy, otherwise known as a hilal osteotomy. Patients treated with a while osteotomy had significantly higher satisfaction, lower incidence of recurrent metatarsalgia, and fewer transfer lesions. That's all for this review about Clawto. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. 
Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com. And in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow OrthoBullets on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the OrthoBullets podcast.